Welcome to Behind the Curtain, L.A. Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. Hello, this is Dana Joya, former Poet Laureate of California, speaking for the Los Angeles Opera, which this season is presenting for the first time in the company's history, Gaetano Donizetti's tragic opera about Queen Elizabeth I, Roberto Devereux. It's my pleasure to tell you about the opera, the composer, and the historical figures who inspired it. But first, let me venture a radical opinion. If I were asked who was the most underrated opera composer in the standard repertory, I would say without a moment's hesitation, the Italian 19th century composer, Gaetano Donizetti. That answer would surprise most people, because several of Donizetti's operas have been performed continuously since their premiere nearly 200 years ago. In fact, if you look at the list of the most widely performed operas in the world, you will find four of Donizetti's works. The Elixir of Love, L'Elysia d'Amore, Lucia de Ramamore, Don Pasquale, and The Daughter of the Regiment, Le Fil de Regiment. That level of popularity hardly feels like neglect. So how can I consider the great composer of Bergamo underrated? Let me offer three reasons. First, Donizetti was the most prolific of the great operatic composers. Although he died at 50, he wrote 70 operas, of which most regular opera-goers know only three or four. Compare that to Puccini's 12 operas, or Verdi's 28, and Verdi died at 87. Second, the Donizetti operas which most people know are, with the exception of Lucia, all comedies. In the standard repertory, Donizetti is known as the composer of charming, romantic comedies, full of gorgeous tunes, comic situations, and happy endings. The popularity of those comedies leads to my third reason. Donizetti, at least in the United States, is considered an operatic lightweight. The 19th century Irving Berlin, or Alan J. Lerner, not worthy to be mentioned in the same sentence as Mozart or Wagner. It's my pleasure today to say that that widely held opinion is nonsense. There is another, deeper, darker side of Donizetti's genius, which you will discover this season in his lyric tragedy, Roberto Devereux. Set in Renaissance England in the Tudor era, Roberto Devereux tells the story of Queen Elizabeth I and her ill-fated romance with the dashing Earl of Essex, Robert Devereux. The opera mixes history, politics, and romance with an emphasis on the darkest side of romance. As the opera opens, Roberto Devereux, the Earl of Essex, is returning from a military expedition to Ireland. Parliament is angry with the Earl, because rather than mercilessly subjugate the rebellious Irish Catholics, he has signed a peace agreement. They consider his actions treasonous. Queen Elizabeth, however, defends Devereux. 
Why? You guessed it. The queen is secretly in love with the earl, and she hopes he will soon declare his love for her. Like most tragedies, the situation could so easily have turned out well. Not just in the opera, but in actual history. There could have been a peace agreement granting religious tolerance in Ireland, thus avoiding four centuries of misery, murder, and strife. And Elizabeth, who came to be known as the Virgin Queen, could have been happily married and produced an heir, thus avoiding a hundred years of political troubles and civil war. If only that were so. But history instead gave Donizetti the violent passions necessary to make an operatic tragedy. The real Earl of Essex, a brave general, a capable diplomat, and champion of religious tolerance, as well as previously a favorite of QE1, was instead beheaded at the Tower of London in 1601, at the age of 36. Donizetti had his lovers and his ending. All he needed was a little more romantic backstory, and the libretto provided just that. In Donizetti's opera, which has a superb libretto by the poet Salvatore Camarano, the plot turns on jealousy more than politics. Elizabeth suspects the Earl of Essex of being unfaithful, and she quickly discovers that Devereux is in love with another woman. What she doesn't know yet is that his beloved is her best friend. Elizabeth is deeply in love with Devereux, and as it turns out, his supposed infidelity is quite insignificant and innocent. But politics, personal and national, conspire to lead the Earl to his untimely death. The axe falls just as the Queen learns of his innocence. While the opera takes great liberties with history, it does provide the stuff for two stunning musical roles, the great soprano part of Queen Elizabeth and, you guessed it again, the great tenor role of Robert Devereux. But while the tenor gets the title, it is the soprano who dominates the stage. Donizetti's Queen Elizabeth is one of the great dramatic roles of 19th century Italian opera. Donizetti conceived the role of Elizabeth for a great prima donna, the way Warner Brothers crafted movies as star vehicles for Betty Davis or Ingrid Bergman. These roles were not written for an actress. They were written for a star. And ever since Roberto Devereux was first revived in 1964, it has attracted some of the greatest sopranos of the modern era, including Mosova Caboye, Leila Genscher, Mariela de Villa, Sondra Rabdanovsky, and most famously, Beverly Sills. For Los Angeles opera, the role of Elizabeth will be sung by the Spanish soprano Davinia Rodriguez in her debut in the role. To understand the role of Donizetti's Queen Elizabeth, it really does help to think of the studio era of Hollywood, when films were carefully crafted around charismatic stars. Donizetti worked in a musical style called bel canto, 
which literally means beautiful singing. It was an Italian tradition which emphasized the human voice above all else. It required consummate artistry, beautiful tone, fine phrasing, huge range, and most important, complete, profound, indeed fanatical emotional commitment. Bel Canto Opera requires stars. Sung by ordinary voices, the operas are merely pretty. Sung by great voices, Bel Canto Opera becomes one of the most immediate and profound artistic forms in musical history. The term diva, which means goddess in Latin, was coined in the 19th century Italian opera houses to describe the great bel canto sopranos. Being a prima donna wasn't sufficient to convey the emotional sorcery of these singers. The great bel canto sopranos were not human beings. They were goddesses. Belcanto melodies are long, sinuous, and sensuous. They not only require virtuosity, they demand constant and shifting emotional prowess. The purpose of Belcanto opera was to use the human voice to create music so beautiful, so carefully nuanced, and so emotionally direct that it broke your heart. In the later 19th century, at the end of Romanticism, Richard Wagner strove to create the music of the future in huge dramatic works to forge a German national myth. At the start of the Romantic Age, Donizetti conceived his masterpieces on a more human scale. He used music to awaken listeners to a greater sense of their own humanity, open to its joys, mysteries, and sorrows. The aesthetic of Belcanto Romanticism was probably best expressed by Donizetti's great contemporary and rival, the Sicilian composer Vincenzo Bellini. Bellini wrote that the purpose of opera was, quote, to make people weep, feel terror, and die through singing, end quote. Please understand that Bellini was not some simplistic Sicilian provincial. He was a sophisticated and cosmopolitan artist who, like Donizetti, understood that opera existed to break through the emotional complacency of people and make them feel the sorrows and joys, the suffering and courage of other people caught in tragic situations. This is exactly the same idea that the 20th century novelist Franz Kafka expressed when he said that a book must be the axe to break open the frozen seas inside us. Opera must make us weep, feel terror, and die through singing. That death-by-diva philosophy accurately describes Donizetti's Roberto Devereux. The words and music of the opera put us inside the hearts and minds of Queen Elizabeth and Lord Essex so that we experience 
their tragic love story from the inside. The beauty and power of Donizetti's genius to shape the human voice and musical melody becomes the axe to break open the frozen seas inside us. Donizetti was fascinated by the figure of Queen Elizabeth and the Elizabethan age, to which she gave her name. He composed three operas about her, two tragedies and a comedy. More important, he composed a great trilogy of romantic tragedies that chronicled the tumultuous history of England during her lifetime. These three tragic operas are often referred to as Donizetti's Three Queens. The first is Anna Bolena, which tells the violent history of Elizabeth's parents, Henry VIII and his doomed second wife, Anne Boleyn. Anna Bolena in Italian, Anne of a Thousand Days, as her short reign came to be called. The second opera is Maria Stuarda, which presents the struggle between Queen Elizabeth and her cousin Mary Stuart, better known as Mary, Queen of the Scots. Both women had legitimate claims on the English throne. That meant one of them had to die and the opera ends in a magnificent execution scene for Mary, surrounded by her weeping friends. It was obvious which side the Italians took in this rivalry, the Catholic Queen Mary. The third and last opera of the Three Queens series is Roberto Devereux, and to my mind it is the most moving and dramatic of the trilogy. In the early 1970s, the soprano Beverly Sills became an international celebrity by singing all three queens in a single season at the New York City Opera. Her favorite was Roberto Devereux. Roberto Devereux creates a strange emotional journey for the listener. The overture, which begins with a version of God Bless the Queen, seems almost to promise a happy, romantic opera, prefiguring Queen Elizabeth's romantic infatuation with the Earl of Essex. But as her suspicions of infidelity arise, the music becomes darker and more passionate, finally ending in the opera's murderous climax and the Queen's despair. In Roberto Devereux, one hears Donizetti changing the future of opera, from the elegant beauty of bel canto into the dramatic high romanticism that Giuseppe Verdi would later perfect. When Roberto Devereux was premiered in 1837, it was the 57th of Donizetti's 70 operas. That fact is particularly impressive because Donizetti had been composing opera only for 20 years. At that moment, Donizetti was the most successful opera composer in the world. Rossini had retired, Bellini had died prematurely at 33, and the young Verdi had composed only one opera. In Paris, Donizetti had so many operas running at different theaters that other composers despaired about producing their own works, and the newspapers printed caricatures of Donizetti writing a comedy with one hand and a tragedy with the other. Roberto Devereux was a huge international hit from the moment of its premiere. 
and was soon produced from Naples to St. Petersburg, from Budapest to New York. Audiences were moved by the opera's powerful emotional depth. Without undervaluing Donizetti's musical genius, I must mention that there was also a personal reason why the second half of Roberto Devereux has such an astonishing and painful dark beauty, especially in the great arias and duets of passion, anger, and despair. Midway, in composing Roberto Devereux, Donizetti was overwhelmed by two tragic events in rapid succession. Everything seemed to be going splendidly for him. The composer was in Naples. He was hoping to be confirmed as the director of the Royal Conservatory. His wife was expecting, which was especially joyful for the couple, since their two previous children had died in infancy. Then disaster struck twice. First, their new son died within one hour of his birth. Meanwhile, an epidemic of cholera struck Naples, and his wife, Virginia, became ill. Donizetti struggled amid these troubles to complete the opera. The day before the premiere, Virginia died at the age of 28, and Donizetti was so stricken by grief that he was never able to pronounce her name again. All of these painful energies were channeled into the opera. Not just the passion and the agony, but also the cold calculations of destiny to destroy us. Robert's execution could have been stopped if Elizabeth had learned the truth of his innocence a few moments earlier. Virginia might have lived had she not been in Naples during the epidemic. That is the central insight of tragedy. Humans are at the mercy of destiny. We cannot avoid our fate. We cannot be free in a tragic universe. We can only sing our sorrows, articulate the joys and losses for being alive. The greatest poet of Queen Elizabeth's age, William Shakespeare, described the tragic vision in Macbeth, saying, Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. That's one rather superb way of putting it. But Italian composers saw it a little differently. They knew we cannot escape our destiny, and some of us will be consumed by tragedy. But if we cannot truly be free in a tragic universe, at least a chosen few can sing our sorrows. They can articulate the joys and losses of being alive and insist our sad stories not be forgotten. The gods are cruel the universe is indifferent, and the forces of destiny move against us. But nonetheless, we will sit together for a few hours in a dark theater and see shining forth on the stage, invincible and immortal, our goddesses, our divas. 
This is Dana Joya for the Los Angeles Opera, producing for the first time in its history Donizetti's tragedy, Roberto Devereaux. You've been listening to L.A. Opera's Behind the Curtain. Thanks, and see you at the opera. If you've enjoyed listening to L.A. Opera's Behind the Curtain, you'll want to make sure you don't miss an episode. Please subscribe and leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to share this with your friends on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll see you at the opera.